Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Okay, I have a pop quiz for you. Do you know what happens on September the 24th, 2016? Well, if you're a medical device company in the United States with Class 2 products, you need to know about September the 24th, 2016. Why? That's the date when your UDI submissions are due to the FDA for all Class 2 medical devices. Folks, it's happening in a very short period of time from now. And there's a lot of work that you're going to need to do. And you need to know all sorts of information to be able to submit your UDI information to FDA on time. And that's why on today's episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, I have as a guest, Gary Sainer. Gary is with ReadTech and ReadTech, is, they're one of the, the best experts in this space of UDI and they can help you solve all of those needs on time, ahead of time. In the notes to this podcast, I also have links for you for the ReadTech Class 2 Submissions Guide ebook, as well as the ReadTech Data Elements chart. So be sure to check those links out and be sure to listen to my conversation with Gary Sainer at ReadTech on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, this is John Spear, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.guru, and welcome to another episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a hot topic in the medical device industry right now. It is quickly approaching, and that topic is UDI. Well, the good news is we have an expert on today's podcast. We have Gary Sainer. Gary is the Senior Manager of Information Solutions in the ReadTech Life Sciences Group. He's a subject matter expert on UDI and other structured content submissions to regulatory agencies. Gary has over a decade of experience in the life sciences industry and has worked for over 30 years in areas of software development, process management, and data conversion. Gary is an active member of the HL7 SPL working groups and co-chairs the HL7 technical team. He is a frequent presenter at industry conferences for regulatory and other life sciences professionals. He holds a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from La Tourneau University with graduate studies in computer science and statistics at Villanova University. Gary, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. John, so happy to be here. It's going to be a good discussion about UDI, and thank you so much for the invite to participate. Uh, you're welcome. I, I've had a chance to, to hear you speak a couple of times on webinars, and we had a chance to meet a few weeks back at, at 10X. and. And you scared me a little bit. Uh, the reason you scared me is you reminded me of this important date that's coming up. And I, I'm sure we're going to get into that here in a moment. But why don't you give our audience a little bit of background, UDI. What is it? What does it mean? Why should I care? Yeah, that's a good good place to start. Going back to actually 2007, there's a couple uh, FDA Amendments Act that laid some groundwork for this particular activity. And then in 2012, there was another act uh, put forth where identified as the FDA Safety and Innovation Act. Both of those laid the groundwork for a UDI. And, and in September 24 of 2013, the FDA responded to that and finally issued a UDI final rule to the Code of Federal Regulations. And basically that rule said 
you need to, medical device labelers that distribute products here in the U.S. need to identify their products with something called a unique device identifier. And then simultaneously, that same mandate said the FDA is going to start collecting information and attributes about that product and, and put it into a database and make that available. So they talked about a timing a year out from that September 2013 release where the implementation would begin in 2014 and actually run through 2020 before all the activities would be uh, hitting the deadline. So we're two years into that compliance time frame. And the objective from the FDA was to provide a, a standard granular identification of medical devices. And at that point in time, there wasn't anything available along that lines. There was a lot of proprietary identification. And the FDA wanted to basically reduce medical errors and make the adverse event reporting much more accurate, provide medical device recalls with uh, improved uh, accuracy, and, and basically improve the patient's experience. Right. Before we go too far, uh, the definition of that UDI has two parts. And as okay. you know, we, we've talked about this where it includes a device identifier and a production identifier. So that device identifier identifies the labeler and the product. and as necessary, a production identifier includes information about a serial number or, or a batch number. And that number, that identifier, needs to appear on a label and also needs to uh, be reported to the FDA. So that's the quick summary, John. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I mean, and what I heard from what you just described is this is really all about me as a healthcare consumer giving me some some further, I, I guess, assurance or, or I, I guess, guidance or direction that that this is all about, it's all driven about making sure our devices are safe, that there's any information, any adverse events that are happening about the products out there that really FDA and other regulatory bodies have a means to be able to kind of track and trend those types of events. Yeah, absolutely. There is an analog in, in the pharmaceutical arena where you have a, a, an NDC number, a National Drug Code uh, identifier, and that's universal for uh, products in the U.S., but there wasn't anything like that for devices, and, and this is uh, why it's so significant for uh, the uh, device uh, arena. Right. Uh, it feels like one of those who moved my cheese kind of moments. Uh, I have no doubt. And, I, and I'm sure you've been very busy. You mentioned that this, you know, really, this really started to hit med device companies, you know, back a couple of years ago. So talk about that. We're in a couple of years into this process, and there's a critical timeline. It's a critical date that's coming up here in a few months in September of 2016. But give, give us kind of a, a brief rundown of, of what's happened from like 2014 to 2015 and, and this other deadline that's that's coming up on us here in just a few short months. Talk about who should be concerned about that and why. Yeah, there, there's a couple of deadlines that have taken taken place. So the implementation was based on risk of, of the particular product. So class three labelers needed to submit their device data and change their labels by September 2014. And then this past September in 2015, the implants, life-sustaining, life-supporting products needed again to update their labels and uh, report the data to the good ID. This September, to be honest with you, I don't mean to scare you, but we only have 78 working days left. <laughs> but yeah. this September, those class two manufacturers yeah. need to uh, make those label changes and, and get into um, get their records into the FDA. Some of the challenges, by the way, are not only the time is, is very tight, 
but there's higher number of companies being involved in this deadline and a much higher number of submissions. So we expect another 400,000 records to be added to what the, uh, the database has today. So there's a lot of activity and those class two labelers should be well underway. Uh, we, we know of some that are just now getting started, but good news is it's not transpired to the point where they're late yet. Right. The bad news is time is running out. Right, right. And, I, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a moment, about that about that timeline that's that's ticking. I mean, 78 days at the time of recording, by the time this, this podcast goes live here, it'll be less than that. So time definitely is ticking. Yeah, without a doubt. I was just going to mention that for those Class 2 labelers that uh, need additional information and and so on, I believe your site as well as our site Mm -hmm. will have a Class 2 Submissions Guide ebook available to help, you know, those labelers come through and and read about it and and get some more information. Absolutely. Gary, we'll be sure to to send that out to our listening audience and even those who might not even be listening so that they are aware of, of this information that's that's coming uh, to uh, a regulatory body, an FDA office near them. So that deadline, again, is, uh, is September the 24th, 2016. So, you know, talk about some of the challenges that are involved with that. I mean, you're dealing with, you know, do you think that big companies are better equipped for this than smaller companies? Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, talk about some of the companies that Big Tech works with on, on these types of initiatives. Yeah, our, our solution actually is is um, a, a tool and a service. We offer it in both particular modes, and we're able to scale that down to very small companies. We actually have some clients that have one uh, submission, and they're very much interested in, in the expertise that we can offer and in, in being able to uh, hold their hand and walk them through this. And yet, on the other hand, you definitely want to have a lot of submissions and submitted in electronic format. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, perhaps. But there's a number of organizations that will need to respond. We have seen class two companies typically with less staff. So a larger company might have class three devices and they've kind of walked through this submission process already and have a solution in place. But for those new class two companies, Less staff in the regulatory arena makes it difficult, and then you know they have to uh, put together a solution, whether it's small or large, and that task is pretty daunting. Right, right, and and I can imagine. I remember when you and I spoke at 10x uh, a few weeks back. I can imagine that you anticipate as we get closer and closer to that deadline that there could be some um, uh, what's the right word? I'm going to say delays or or things are going to get clogged pretty quickly because it's all basically going through a single choke point called the FDA. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot more companies involved. So the number of questions that we expect the FDA help desk to field go up, as well as the actual data submissions. So there was some delays in response by the FDA last uh, deadline in September, where a acknowledgement coming back from the FDA for an electronic submission uh, would normally take about 12 minutes, but with the workload, uh, it, it turned into be three days. So that last week was really intense. The bottom line is, is, is those class two labelers ought to try to submit as early as possible and, and try to get some of this out of the way. I mean, because we know there are way more class two devices in the United States than there are class three. So if there were some delays from the class three, we can surely anticipate that if you're not on the ball, you're going to see the same sort of thing here come uh, mid to late September. Yeah, absolutely. The, 
we expect actually uh, over twice the number of volume submissions of this round than in the previous round. Sure. So, so let's talk a little bit about that UDI process. I mean, what is Retech's going to do? Work some magic, but really, your magic is all about knowing. I'm not trivializing this by any stretch, believe me, but it's all about knowing how to, what information to capture and how to communicate that to the FDA and, and, and import that, get that imported into the FDA's data, uh, database. Can you talk a little bit more about you know, that submission and what that process is and what kind of data is going to be provided as part of that submission? Yeah, that's, that's a good discussion. The, uh, the number of fields that need to be submitted to the FDA are uh, 55 in total, and then the FDA derives seven additional data fields. So a grand total of 62 fields are actually stored in the database. And the various categories include product identification, information about the labeler, the, you know, the organization, in this case, the manufacturer in many cases, regulatory information, packaging information, production control, and there's a number of other characteristics about the product that need to be gathered. And again, I'll mention a, a retech data elements chart that we have available to identify these items and start to work your way through and, and go through a checklist, see what items you have readily available. In some cases, you'll have them. We have seen some fields are, are somewhat difficult to come by, digging up the GMDN code, for example, yeah. or finding the Dun & Bradstreet number for your company. And in some cases, you'll find like information about a single use might be showing up on a label template as an icon, graphical icon, but not anywhere as an electronic data value. Mm -hmm. So it does take some work and across many departments. So it, it spans uh, regulatory operations, some cases IT, and other departments to, to get this data collected. Right. Now, you mentioned something that I've, I've had some experience with, GMDN codes. Does Retech help companies acquire GMDN codes or, or track those down if you don't know what they are? Yeah, there's actually uh, two uh, data values that are related to the GMDN code. One is the actual GMDN code, the Global Medical Device Nomenclature Code from the company that maintains that database, and that's a subscription. The FDA also offers a free alternative, which is a four-letter code that the FDA put together. The actual definitions are the same. We help clients, you know, find those particular databases, and, and obviously they need to pick the one that's most appropriate sure. for their product. But, um, yeah, we, we do uh, offer a lot of uh, Q&A and, uh, you know, help in, in consulting to get this uh, data set collected. Right, because, I mean, your your mission is, of course, to help companies meet the the impending UDI requirements from the FDA, and, and I can imagine there's a lot excuse the expression, but handling and guidance direction that you're providing along the way. Because, I mean, you're the only expert that I've come across when it comes to, to UDI. I don't know this. And anytime somebody asks me a question about UDI, I'm like, you need to talk to Gary at Tech. He, he's the man. So, uh, <laughs> Well, all right. thanks for the recommendation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes to making that actual submission of the UDI data to the FDA, you talk a little bit about how that actually happens. Sure. There's uh, two basic methods that the FDA has, has created. One is something called the FDA Good ID Web Interface. Now, the Good ID, I don't know if we actually defined that. And when that. you say Good ID, you're, I mean, yeah. you're, you're, it's G-U-D-I-D, uh, like right? 
Yeah, so that stands for the Global Unique Device Identification Database. And that's specifically good ID is the way the FDA pronounces that. Okay. It's their, it's technically a, a, their national database of these medical devices. So you can access that database through a web interface and key in the uh, individual data records uh, manually and then go through a, a quality verification to make sure that transcription areas, you know, did not come into play. You want to make sure everything's correct. So that's one way is to use that online web interface. The second way, the FDA knew that many companies that would just overwhelm them with, with some manual effort and have provided an electronic submission. So putting together this data into an XML file is, is actually one of our core expertise that we offer. And submitting that electronic file through the electronic submission gateway this particular method has been a well-oiled machine now for a couple of years, and you can uh, make fast, accurate electronic submissions. And since there's a database that's underlying that data preparation and maintenance, you can make maintenance and provide for future support, not only to the FDA, and then, John, as, as we know, uh, there are other regulatory bodies around the world. So there's some global UDI submissions. So having a database of that data record is able to be leveraged not only for the FDA, but the uh, EU, uh, Health Canada, Australia, Brazil, you know, and it goes down the list. Sure. So, you know, one of those things that you want to look at, and, and especially because of the time, it's very difficult to set up a uh, electronic submission database at this point on your own internally and do through the validation and, and as you know, do all the quality checks and IQ, OQ, PQ sort of thing. So right. I would recommend looking at a well-experienced uh, vendor uh, that has a system up in place. And, and some of these vendors, including us, we offer this electronic submission gateway setup. It's already in place and have tiered pricing for those companies that have low volume submissions. So Basically, your, your two options then to summarize that question or that answer would be the FDA good web interface, good ID web interface with manual entry, or using electronic submissions. Right. And, you know, you, I was going to ask about the value or the importance or the meaning of a, of a UDI submission, you know, even beyond just, just this uh, impending FDA guideline. And you've hit on a couple of those, of course, but, you know, for our audience, you know, we've had a lot of quality and regulatory and other medical device professionals who listen to the Global Medical Device Podcast. What are the last or a few more tips or pointers that, that you would recommend that people consider as they go through this process? Well, it, it's certainly um, highly advised by the FDA that you submit uh, high quality, accurate submissions. And not only to you know, to, to do a good high integrity submission, but realize that this data becomes public and there's a lot of downstream users. So there's other downstream users that include hospitals, uh, data aggregators, things that would, systems that would uh, go into other types of uses for to support the life sciences area and, and specifically medical device use. So you want to look at something that is able to accommodate very high quality uh, data collection and submission and look at the full cost of your solution. So not only uh, 
the data collection and installation costs, but you know any uh, manual effort that you might want to put into play. And the one takeaway point that I, I will, well, a couple of takeaway points. One was the um, the UDI submission is not a one-time effort. There has to be some ownership for long-term changes. So in the event that there's data values that change over the course of time, updates need to be sent to the FDA uh, before that label change is actually applied to the product and shipped out the door. So it's, it's one of those check marks that need to be done upon releasing new data. So that flows into the quality system to make sure that not only your all your other quality checks are in place, but that UDI submission is, has been submitted and it is accurate. So I would imagine that many of the quality systems, devices are sold globe, very typically sold globally. Again, this will affect you know the global marketplace. So being able to check mark and say, okay, this product is now ready for release in EU, have I made my UDI submissions for EU and, and being able to um, use your your efforts and all your funds that you put together for a U.S. solution, we want to be able to leverage that for a, a global. And then the awesome. last thing I mentioned is, you know, yeah. you, timing is really close, John. And, and <laughs> you know, what, yeah. we want to uh, try to recommend that this data collection process is typically underestimated. And it takes a little bit longer than everyone thought it would. And then putting that data, submitting it together, getting it together and submitting it to the FDA is, is a, another activity. And, and that's where we can help uh, customers along the way. So start now. And, you know, Gary, I appreciate your insights about UDI today. Obviously, we're just skimming the surface. But I want to let the folks know that we will provide them a link to the Retech Class 2 Submissions Guide ebook. And we will also provide a link to the Retech Data Elements chart. Again, if you have questions or comments about UDI, call Gary Sainer at Retech. Very easy to find. Read R E E D Tech T E C H. Gary Sainer, S A N E R. Gary, thanks for being my guest today on the Global Medical Device Podcast. And just one parting word for our audience. Of course, you know about GreenLight.Guru. We help companies with design controls and risk management and quality management systems as they're bringing new devices or dealing with existing devices. So if you're interested in learning more about our software platform, be sure to check us out at greenlight.guru and a demo for more information. Until next time, this is John Spear, the founder and VP of quality at greenlight.guru, and this has been the Global Medical Device Podcast.